0: hey hey guys what's going on hey bud good evening (laughs) 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 nothing much i'm uh, it's great to see you guys and i'm sure like me um you've spent today celebrating the the anniversary of the release of john lennon's third book right i didn't uh, i didn't get around to it Uh, didn't get didn't get the memo on that one um did you send us a memo I, yeah, I, through pneumatic tube that we'd set up between our homes. I thought you had received it. <laughs> that did it. seem really invasive. You drilled Do a lot you, of holes in my house. <laughs> are you guys familiar with the third book? It was a little less popular than the first two. Had you even you, you heard about this? No? I, I So I you know. I have. You know about Lennon's first book, In His Own Right. Yeah, I got it. A couple years later, uh, I think he came out with a, a Spaniard in the works. You know about that?
1: Sure.
0: Took a long time off, though before uh, his final venture in, in, into, uh, you know, the, putting the, the fingers to the keys. Next book didn't come out till 1977, actually. Um, it was in the midst of John's domestic phase. I don't know if you guys remember. He was raising Sean. He was at the Dakota baking bread, um, which makes sense, actually, when you think about it, because uh, the third book is titled The Yeast of His Worries. Um, it, it's a cookbook. <laughs> and do you want to hear one of the recipes? From, from yeah, the book, I can I, it, just, just open up to page 25. I have it earmarked here. Okay. Um, take three cuppy whoppies of flower power. Move down the street with an arf and an assault and a bit of that Mickey Dolan's Book of Sugar to her majesty's 350 degrees an hour. Let rest for 10 minutes. So, sounds delicious, I guess. I, I, I don't really get how this works. I don't know. <laughs> I
1: think so. Yeah. I wanna I'm it. still
2: making his uh all you need is love uh bread recipe. Is that a thing? Need is love. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh we gotta
1: Look warm up. Look who's got boys. the yucks now. <laughs> we gotta warm up here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey 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 Blotto Scruffs. Welcome back to Blotto Beatles for episode 28. Uh yes, yes, welcome back to the show where a few friends have a few drinks and come together to discuss and rank a single Beatles song. It is episode 28 and I'm here in the virtual Abbey Road as always with uh two of my best buds. First and foremost, we got uh the man in chair B himself, our co-host, Mr. Becker. How is it going tonight? How are you doing? Good, bud, how are you? I am I'm, I'm doing very well. Um, you know, I'm happy that it's the end of the work week and yeah. we are coming into the weekend and happier still that um, you know, with the pandy here coming to an end, it seems uh a, a nice part of that is I got to see you and the family a couple weekends in a row. It was really really nice. And that was really uh, nice. yeah, Scotty really, really as nice. well in person in you know, face to face. So um, you know, see, see you later, COVID is what I like to say. That's that's a phrase I'm throwing out there. I think I'm going yeah, to it was really uh,
2: up. it's a funny, a funny step of like, it feels awkward to suddenly all be together, and then immediately it all just goes away, and you're just like, oh, this is what it just felt like to be buds and hanging and and and, yeah. and all the things we're doing before, you know. So, I do like that uh, humanity springs back. Um, is that a I'm, Beatles
0: song i don't know that
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a a wings tune but
0: um, oh, not as familiar with the, the catalog
2: yeah, yeah the fan the fans know that for sure but, uh, <laughs> yeah man I'm, I, I i'm doing great I'm, and i'm happy to be here with you uh with you tonight you know like still being remote but knowing that i've seen you and it doesn't feel like uh as desperate as things felt when we started the podcast It was no like kidding. who knows what's going to happen and uh, you know things feel just a little bit lighter right now
0: i will say this um the audience doesn't know doesn't know it because we released an episode uh just two weeks ago as always with travis Shettle from piebald i thought that was a lot of fun and uh but for that us sitting he here the magical
2: with, mystery word oh
0: my goodness yeah. like no you know what other. you
2: know what i was thinking we need to book more guests that have to go to work the morning after <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> travis did not have to wake up for
0: anything i suspect the way he was throwing those words around. Um the the, the lot of scruffs don't know this though. It, it's been a few weeks actually since we've gotten together over Zoom like this. And I I am wondering how how you feeling? You a little rusty, you feeling all right? You gotta shake the rust off? You what's going on? You've been working out the pipes? <laughs> like clearly you're gonna hear from the karaoke tonight
2: that I have been working out the pipes, but um yeah, I, I don't like the gaps between recording. You know, we used tough. to be going every week during the pandemic and we got a really great backlog and um i didn't like being off on the timeline but i liked the rhythm of talking to you guys every week and it felt really normal and we were doing like a midweek check-in and then we were recording the episodes and now we're almost we're nearly in real time we're like flirting with with real yeah. time um, which is uh i like that we can talk about things in real time um so that's nice but it's also like this monster creeping up behind you where you're like you have to keep uh feeding it uh, drunken no. uh beetles
0: yucks <laughs> <laughs> it's hungry it's always hungry <laughs> so becker um you aren't the only one that needs to shake the rust off i'm not the only one that needs to shake the rust off actually we probably are the only ones that need to shake the rust off because we know this guy he's always on point he's always well oiled no rust on him at all um the, tin down. Of the
2: podcast if you
0: yeah. will <laughs> oh i i thought more of like a greasing and a speedo sort of look is what i was picturing yeah uh up in the uh in, in the control room of the virtual abbey road it is the george martin of new, new england. england feel good about that we even hit that in a couple episodes that felt yeah, it's nice. been hard
1: it's hard to do on zoom it's hard to scotty do. c what's going on man yeah. how are
0: you tonight Woo!
1: thank you i have so i'm so enjoyed that uh that intro and all this chatter so far, I love that you called him Mister Becker. I, yep. I've never heard that, and I, I, it's it's very. Formal. <laughs> think it's going to take off. I don't know if it's going to take off, but it's very formal and made me think about like he's it's a part Mr. of my year
2: two contract with the podcast. Actually, I don't know. Uh, he was right
1: pushing stuff. for Doctor <laughs> Doctor Becker, yeah. um, and I never heard uh, it called a pandy yeah i'd never heard that <laughs> that know. one got me going a little bit so that was <laughs> cool tommy yeah <laughs> yeah um well, that
0: that yeah. now now that's in the rear view we can make a little fun i think isn't yeah you yeah,
1: so. know yeah. i dig it i'm happy to be here man ha- happy to have you and you know
0: i do have a question for you it's a little serious scott you know sometimes becker asks you serious questions like Uh-oh. what's your favorite nut <laughs> and I, I do have one though. I, I'm I'm interested, and I think I know your response. And this is actually not not all joking aside. Like getting into something tonight. Like talk to me about like an author that has moved you in your life. What? Who is someone uh, that you've read uh, like that, that has really drawn you in, and and an author that you dig and you would say like this is something I would recommend to someone else.
1: Oh man, this is so. Oh, uh, ironic or something. Um, I love reading books, and you are a well-read gentleman. I, I, I will um, say that. Well, yeah, not not as mu- as much as some, but um, Steinbeck's always been pretty huge for me. This I know that's kind of like a go-to for a lot of people, but uh, he has a certain way of connecting. To the reader, me when I'm the reader, um, in a way that isn't just like this guy wrote a book, but he's writing a book and he's like in it with you. Like, yeah. uh, he like speaks to you in, in a way, like almost literally sometimes, um, like that, like, you know, breaks that extra barrier down between that art and the, in the writing and, and you as the reader, um, and just. Even though it's I guess Steinbeck's super like old now. And I mean he's not yeah. I mean his his work is, is old. Um there's still so they're still so captivating the stories and a lot of the stuff is truthful, you know, in and you can relate to it in your life still. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. And you and I have talked
0: a bit about Steinbeck. I thought you might go there. Um, and I think what's interesting is the guy has such a deep catalog. Like I think you got pulled into some different stuff than I did. Yeah. Um, but we were able to still, still get there. Uh, Becker, anyone that comes to mind for you, like, uh, an author that has drawn well, for, you in for, over
2: your life? For you guys, I think, um, the Steinbeck stuff is really, uh, interesting because I haven't gone back to any of this in my adulthood. Like I have not thought about, I think I read of mice and men in, in high school and I read Cannery Row in, in high school, but Tommy, you've been a pretty big proponent of Steinbeck, I think, right?
0: Yeah, I um, love East of Eden is kind of my yeah, jam, you know. I, I, That's I took it yeah. from
2: the local, uh, we have the free library book swap stuff. Um, we have a couple of those in, in Somerville and you put a book in, take a book out. Maybe you take a couple books and put a couple books in later. It's it's pretty casual. But so I, I've taken East of Eden out of there and I have it like on my nightstand and it's it's almost like intimidating in a way, right? Like you, you, you feel like there's like heavy books in your life and like when do you the mindset to to get into this a little bit as an adult. And so that's been that's been hanging over my head. So thank you for that. Uh yeah, I i would say assignment. with that
0: book person <laughs> with that book <laughs> personally, like I didn't get it at first. It's one of those books I I would say um give it 50 pages. I think if you get 60 or 70 pages into that thing you're like ah, I don't know if this is for me. It might not be for you and that's fine. But it was right around page 50 that it kind of started blowing my mind. And I think it's a 600, 650 shade of book. gray,
2: is what you're saying? That yeah, book. exactly.
0: Well, I, I like 50 shades darker, I think, is the, oh, yeah. the sequel. That's one of the few that's cases right. where the sequel is better than the original. We've talked about this recently.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: but uh, yeah, I, I, I really, um, you know, I, I stand hard for East of Eden. I think that's a great book. I think it might be the best book, in my opinion. So, yeah, we aren't here um, to to talk about, you know, great authors uh, throughout history. We are here to talk about the Beatles. We're going to talk about one Beatles song tonight. We're going to talk about the Beatles in general. But before we even get there, it is important, Scotty, you have spent some painstaking time picking Uh, This evening's magical mystery word, the word that if any of us utter it, we have to take a drink from our glasses. And so uh, Becker and I don't know what that word is. We're going to keep it that way. Becker and I are going to take off our headphones right now. And Scotty's going to whisper this week's magical mystery word. Bukowski. I heard it.
2: (laughs) You heard it that time? Cheater. You you didn't take your headphones all the way off?
0: (laughs) Cheater. (laughs) If you say it, it's hardcover. (laughs) <laughs> um becker you clearly know great european authors but do you know who the beatles are becker you clearly know great north american authors. yeah i was gonna say i don't know any europeans yeah. becker you clearly know great north american authors as i've always said
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really how you've introduced me for a long time And it's Always. felt
0: relatively awkward, you know But uh, I've started just rolling with it Now in the context of tonight, it makes sense um, But do you, do you know who the Beatles are? You uh, Do you think I don't? Like, well, is that why you
2: ask me every week?
0: So listen, there's been some question coming up from the Scruffs. It's I've seen it on social And um, they did send me a memo Through the pneumatic <laughs> tube system I had set up And... Every Which does scruff. it goes to every Scruff's house <laughs> individually? I
2: don't get them. I don't know. Um, stuck.
0: People are okay, concerned. Okay. I put my gerbils in there. <laughs> that's, that's probably why. Yeah. That's an issue. <laughs> Becker, how many times do I have to tell you? You, you want to keep your gerbils in a safe and comfortable spot. All right. Yeah, like you don't true. putting them in these yeah. strange tubes is not a great idea. I usually carry them in a pouch, marsupial style that's and that's nice i've seen that i've seen it happen you're that guy definitely yeah yeah it's (laughs) kind of other than being known for your knowledge of great north american authors you're known as the guy who carries gerbils around in a marsupial like pouch (laughs) in somerville um but people are worried that you don't know who the beatles are and so i'm gonna ask you now who are the beatles
2: yeah, and I, I get this question every week. People are writing, in they're like, do you really know who the Beatles are? Like, I know, I know, okay. You know, and, and you know, it's this sort of cantankerous Canadian. He's operated under so many different names, or, or, or uh, maybe he's part of a uh, his early bands were the Squires and Bungalow Springfield, or, or maybe you know him from alongside <laughs> such, such things as Crazy Horse or... um m l h l s and y um uh, mccartney harrison <laughs> lennon star and young as you guys might call them you probably call them the beatles you know and uh they worked on a bunch of bunch of landmark albums together there was uh help List, you know and there was uh a harvest days night um glass onion beach and uh one after the gold rush those are those are the big albums do you guys you guys know those ones uh, a, a, they want, they had want. hits they had a ton of hits and I think that's why yeah. we're doing this show right they had uh, a ton of hits. all yeah. you needle is love yeah. they had uh <laughs> old tax man Um girl in the sand your bird can sing <laughs> everybody knows uh, this is nowhere man and this is a big one this is a hit everyone you were singing this one as a kid but uh tomorrow never ponos do you
1: guys know that one? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That song, I if I remember correctly, was shaped like a Toblerone. Is that correct? <laughs> it was delicious. <laughs> uh, all right, dude. You am I confused here? You're a little
2: confused. Uh, I believe again. so. What yeah, I want, what, I really want yeah. to come through for you guys. Like one year, one day, I'm going to tell you who the Beatles are.
0: Well, we are one year into the podcast,
1: <laughs> so I'm.
0: Man, that's a lot of mistakes.
1: one of these years. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I love Neil Young, and I wanted to get him in the podcast for a little bit. Some of these song titles actually, uh, Pete G from uh, New Zealand dropped on us. So I want to, I want to send him some love. So thank you for supporting oh, Pete again. Uh, yeah, my little, my little bit here. But um,
0: you guys want to talk at all about Neil and the Beatles? Do you think I, uh, I, I first of all really have you to thank, my friend, for o- opening the the Neil door for me. I remember I being at the model cafe in austin you know in our early 20s and you were um espousing on your love for uh on the beach having oh, i think right. just discovered it and the phrase you used which stuck in my which this, this is what made me go was you said I, i'm putting him up there with dylan he is, you know? And, and like, I like... I thought you were going to say something more profound. No, yeah, no, like but... did spouse. No, because uh, growing up when we did, for him? me, Neil Young was the guy that ruined Pearl Jam. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that yeah. was it. Yeah, and it turns true. out, Pearl Jam yeah. ruined Neil Young. I had no idea that that's what
1: happened.
0: I had no idea. So I do love Neil Young. And like, you look at stuff like, uh, obviously, you know, after the Gold Rush and Harvest, but you get into like that the ditch trilogy and, and stuff like tonight's yeah, the night on the beach, like, and, and Zuma, I love, and you know, those are like, it's like a perfect seven or eight years that yeah, he's just putting out record. I will admit some of the stuff outside that seven or eight years is not so much to my liking, but I, but
2: he's always doing Neil. I mean, yes. that's what's right. Like you're all, he's always doing Neil. He's always doing some sort of impulsive project. And like, uh, I was seeing earlier last episode, and and I don't know what what's going to make it to air. But I love an artist putting out music right now and just telling you that I have so much conviction in this music. Like Neil Young is never going to be like, I'm giving you Harvest again. I know right. he gave you Harvest. Again, <laughs> yeah, he though, did give it.
1: <laughs> I'm never giving you Chrome Dreams again,
2: unless it's
0: Chrome <laughs> Dreams too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But he's not going to give you what you want. Mm-hmm. Like, he's giving you what he needs to to make or what he's feeling compelled to make. And so um, for that, I salute Neil Young in a, in a huge, huge way. And yeah, Tommy, you said it, but On the Beach changed my entire world, uh, musically speaking, but certainly about Neil Young. Uh, I grew up with my dad playing me Neil Young a, a lot in, in the car, and I, I never really got it. it. It was not for me at the time. And then we have a mutual friend who went to Amsterdam and he came back, he had got the on the beach bootleg cause it, all these ditch records were not available on CD for a while. He got an on the beach bootleg on CD, um, and came back with it. And I was like, Holy shit. Like, what is, what is this stuff? You know, it had revolution blues that song, and, um, it clearly had on the beach. And, um, that changed my whole thinking about Neil Young. And then you go into the ditch records and you think about tonight's in the night. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, so that, that changed everything. But Scotty, you... Neil is... Uh, yeah. You feeling Neil? Scotty, you, uh, you, you feel Neil?
1: Yeah, totally. I think that Tommy burnt me that... I don't know if you burnt it for Tommy or whatever, but I have a burnt version. Maybe you gave it to me. I can't remember, but of On the Beach. Yeah. Know, it has like a printout. That got passed around a ton. Yeah. yeah, it's got the printout from a computer. It's not like anything <laughs> official at all. And uh, I that's probably my favorite album by him.
0: Yeah, that record is, it's still so, so
1: amazing. Yeah, I could listen to it any day. And
0: yeah. coming, coming back to the book thing really quickly, I can't recommend highly enough the the Neil Young biography, Shaky. I mean, it is seven yeah. or eight hundred oh, yeah. pages, but it yeah. is good. Like that, that that's is a yeah. great, great book. That is a great one.
2: But oh. um, do you think Neil Neil Young likes the Beatles? Well, As the book, he does, I think Neil likes yeah. the
0: Stones more than the Beatles. Yeah.
2: Oh, I don't, I don't know that that's true. Really? I, he is a big time Beatles guy. So he, um, uh, he talks about the first songs that he ever played in his life were were uh, won't be long publicly and he's, and money like in the high school cafeteria, like that he was playing with his band. Um, he inducts Paul McCartney solo into the rock and roll hall of fame. He talks wow. about loving, um, uh the first solo McCartney McCartney, the first yeah, solo yeah. McCartney record. He says that's huge for him. And just loving that. It's like this stripped down thing and, and feeling like, um, Oh, maybe I can do some of this stuff. Like he says that more about, uh, about the Beatles. Cause clearly he's making music at that time, I think. But for me, it's, it's, uh, I wanted to say it was recently, but I looked up the date. It was 2009, but Neil Young is at some sort of festival in London and he is covering day in the life. And it's like a little sh- sloppy. It's a little ramshackle. But um, Paul McCartney comes out, and Paul McCartney does his part of of Dana, his vocal part in "Dana Life," the the back part, and uh, they sing it into a single mic, which you guys know is is my thing for sure. And they are being they are just so loving. It's just like two men up on stage who have who have like seemingly been through it. covering day in life which is clearly such an epic beatles song that i i don't even know when we're gonna get to it as a podcast but um uh, i it's out there it's it's worth watching and i think we'll probably post it but it's it's just a really great moment like it, it it moved me the first time i saw it i guess 10 years ago which i didn't know and it moved me this last week when i saw it again it's 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 fantastic
1: there's, you know, there aren't many people that could probably do the John part with uh, any sort of conviction. And, right. and and Neil Young is certainly somebody that can take that vocal line. I don't think he could have done the McCartney part. Oh, McCartney, <laughs> thank God <laughs> well, he showed up. he's doing it. Right. Him and
2: McCartney are doing it. Yeah, thank the, God McCartney
1: showed me. up for that part. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, Neil Young could do that as good as anyone.
2: For this week, though, I have an actually interesting sort of... Uh, Flip in my research for, for talking about the the bit that I'm doing. So if, if if you guys wouldn't mind sticking in with me here is that um, normally we get to. I, I find how these artists feel about um, the Beatles. But I did get to find a little bit of a bit where George Harrison is talking about Neil Young.
1: Oh, I never a thought while. of that. And yeah. this is
2: a um, this is taken from some sort of like 90s session. It's certainly never intended for public. um Consumption. It's like a VHS camera that's just pointed into the studio. Um George Harrison is there and he's recording something with Bob Geldof. I'm gonna play this clip. The other um the other voice here is is Bob, I think. Um it's a little garbled, but I think I I think you'll get the gist. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play that through right now.
0: Have you heard Ark Weld? Do you hear well, Nihil's um Ark Weld? It's, it's, um, <laughs> But no. it's live. and what, what that was the one with the double jam. jam, is that, that one? No. Well no, they did a tour with it then, but uh, on the, one of the CDs is just feedback. He just doesn't see the feedback from the gigs. Say, it's it's great if you get into where he's at, you know. Uh, but the actual sound. Uh, I'm not I'm not a new uh, fan, fan personally. I I the, like, I I just yeah. think his lead playing is just I hate it. Do you? Yeah, I can't stand it. I mean, oh, it's, the, yeah, it's that one string that, I mean, it's good for a laugh, but you know, the thing is, he's
2: So Wait, who is that talking with George? Bob Geldof from uh, Boomtown Rats, and uh, and
0: he he's saying he loves it. Yeah, yeah, he's talking about the Arc Weld record,
2: which is the live record. Um, Yeah, and George is basically saying uh, I hate it, which I think was really good for a laugh. Yeah, it's good for a laugh. (laughs) And at the end of it, I don't know if you can quite hear it, and maybe it'll play better in the recording. But he's he's like, uh, it's good for a laugh, but I think he's just stupid. And I'm like, Wow. wow, that is really. And George doesn't put that vibe out there in the universe, you know. Like he no. he doesn't talk shit. You wouldn't think that about him. And this was a very personal moment. Like it seems almost obtrusive that we're talking about it here. It's obtrusive that it's on the internet or whatever. But it's out there, and so be it. But uh, a little later, he makes fun of um, they're doing the Bob Dylan uh, tribute, and and Clapton is there, and Neil Young is there, and I think everyone takes a solo, and then Neil Young takes a solo, and George Harrison is like what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> like,
0: uh, which <laughs> I think amazing. is, you know, um, it's... It's amazing, too, because Neil gets that rap so much about being yeah. a, a poor guitar player or whatever. Um, Neil's pretty self-deprecating about it when he talks about it, but you listen to something like that um, Live at Massey Hall record that he put out a bunch of years ago, and you listen to what he can do on an acoustic guitar and th- the way he can make that thing sing uh, on its own Oh, this guy knows how to play guitar. He he knows what he's doing, but when he's doing that one note solo with the the whammy bar or whatever, like that's for an effect. He's doing it on purpose, I think. You know, yeah. And that's where for
2: it. me. I mean, I'm I don't know if it's co- I, I I don't know a a, a ton about music. <laughs> I don't know why you're listening <laughs> me talk about music, but uh, no, I, in all sincerity, I. I love someone who plays like Neil Young, who just plays with such emotion and conviction. And it's like really convincing me that he's feeling this vibe that I am on on board with. And yeah. so maybe it's not musically amazing and maybe it's not impressing, you know, George Harrison and, 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 and Eric Clapton at the time, but... I don't care. Uh, no, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. You know, uh, I think there's, you well, know... I think the Beatles paved the way for Neil Young to do sort of what he, what, what he does, you know?
1: Yeah. I love, I mean, that's an interesting clip. Um, Neil Young is an amazing uh, guitar player and Tommy made a great point about, you know, what he can accomplish as a solo musician and, and have that accompaniment instrument be really impactful and not just strumming along. Um, But In his soloing work, he's just like letting it all out there. He's, he's, emotion filled, and if he's riding that one note, it's not because he's, you know, thinks he's changing the world of guitar solos. It's just where he is in the moment. It's just that yell, that rebel yell, or whatever. And, and I, I liken it, you know, when you say, oh, but he maybe, maybe it's not technically proficient. he has that one half of Jimi Hendrix guitar playing. Yeah. Jimmy has Jimmy has that extreme emotion and connection to the music in the in the in the instrument, but he also yeah. has like massive technical abilities. <laughs> and Neil Young <laughs> Neil Young is not I mean, he's no slouch, don't get me wrong, but he, So you know. if Jimmy
2: had one if if Neil had one of Jimmy's hands, which one is it? <laughs> Jimmy played guitar left handed, right?
1: Oh, man, this is getting confusing now. You know. <laughs> <laughs> he had Jimmy's left on his right. All if, Jimmy and,
2: if Jimmy and Neil both board separate trains that are traveling <laughs> 45
0: miles per hour. From a Chicago <laughs> blues factory. <laughs> <I can't. laughs> when do they hit New York City? Bro, it's been so long since I went to school. I, I do want to wrap up with a, a couple Neil Young notes that I think um, always kind of come to mind. The first is that is there anyone who's had a more famous cocaine erasure uh, than Neil <laughs> Young in the Last Waltz? I, yeah, I think that that's, that's you know that's one. very important. And I but I love Neil's performance in the Last Waltz. And I think it's it kills. It's awesome. I always found it shocking that Neil Young's first kind of uh, signed band, the lead singer was Rick James.
1: Oh, the Mindbirds! <laughs> yeah. Amazing,
0: right? And finally, Becker, if we got a sponsorship on Harvest Moonshine, I would be willing to change the name of the podcast to Zima. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Zima, you're looking to come back. Get at us. We're well on board to, to helping you
1: relaunch. Wow. Zima. I haven't heard that in forever.
0: <laughs> so, guys, speaking of Zima, um, unless there's any more Neil
1: Young banter. Yeah,
0: I have a 12 pack of Zima. Okay, you I'm got one. This <laughs> we haven't. I'm Vintage. realizing talked about um, what we're we're drinking this evening, and I did have a margarita to start. But I also, guys, I know you know this. I want the world to know. Um, treehouse Brewery out of Central Mass just opened up in, on Cape Cod, a, a new satellite location. So I got a couple Treehouse here, along with, of course, in front of the Treehouse, the official beer of Blotto Beetles, that Devil's Purse Handline Kolsch. Yeah, See, I mean,
2: let's say that for the record, like uh, Devil's Purse has been holding it down on Cape Cod. Well before Treehouse yes. was like, let's get a fancy location on the beach and sell oh, our on expensive
1: the beach beers. I get it. <laughs> Can't stop with the Neil Young talk. I do, you know, yeah. and I think it's
0: important. I I, I want to specify here because we always kind of say, oh, the Devil's Purse, saying like, oh, the official beer bottle of the Beatles. Um, the last few weeks, you know, I've been on the Cape trying some different beers. New Aquatic Brewery I talked about a couple weeks ago opened something up, and now we got the Treehouse here. I love the Devil's Purse Handline Colch. and I think especially yeah. as I'm rolling into summer right now, I'm going to crack a bunch of these things. So Tim uh, from Devil's Purse, roll up the hand truck, buddy. I'm coming. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're coming up there in a couple of, hopefully a couple of weeks to yeah we're gonna be off. i think at some point this summer we're, we're uh, july it sounds like we're doing an episode over there i'm excited they've been gracious
2: with their brews and uh we want to hear what they have to say about the Beatles. so becker you got um, some drinks are you asking me what i'm drinking yeah, yeah. what do yeah. you got um we're getting into summer i saw you a couple of weeks ago we drank some of these i saw these last week um I'm drinking uh, gin and tonics this evening with uh, a Heyman's uh, old Tom gin. I've had this, uh, I think I had it a couple of episodes ago. So I'm, I've, I've been putting together those gin and tonics, but I've got a couple of beers. I also have uh, a Treehouse. I've been drinking their uh, gagger And I also have a Talia, which is Ooh. that um, uh, secret password, which is that new brewery out of Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um so that's, uh, that's what I'm working through, uh, tonight. You, and, uh, do you I'll remember a pepper e- and a couple other beers, but yeah, yeah.
0: A, f- a few episodes ago, you were talking about how, a, a I think it was a Talia fell off a truck right into your mouth. Oh, that um, was, um, that was veil vale brewing. Oh, that was veil vale brewing. Well, I did personally have a, uh, a few Talias drop off a truck right into my mouth and they were delicious. <laughs> you have to say
2: that. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing a fine, fine beer. So good on them. So,
0: uh, Scotty, what, what do you have tonight in the cups?
1: I went with a uh, Jameson because my local Packy started stocking it without the ginger beer. Oh,
0: oh we're back, nice. baby.
1: Mm-hmm. We're back, baby. So yep. Right there in the cup with some ice. And I got one on uh, in the little cup for the shot. Hopefully, maybe. Maybe. You never know. Well, you know. we Are never. you guys hopeful for the shot? <laughs> like,
2: how do you guys feel about the Magic Mystery Shot? Like, when you enter an episode, are you hoping that it happens? depends
0: on the night my friend depends (laughs) on the night
1: (laughs) i i want it to happen because it's it's a fun part of the show and um i i I definitely want it to happen i don't want it to happen a lot unless it's one of those nights (laughs) when we can do that and we feel you know uh comfortable and we're
0: we don't need to shuttle this one all over the place
2: thankfully this song has no guitar money. And I almost think that guitar money should be a permanent magical mystery word, maybe at this point. Like, if you say guitar money on this show again, like... It's, oh,
1: that's a great idea for a, a a prize for something. A guest gets to pick a permanent... A, a permanent mystery. mystery word. Oh, my God.
2: I expect a really big donation to ALS1 before I'm giving oh, that. Oh, it would be a big uh, donation,
1: fun. yeah.
0: But I'm open to it. So, guys, before we do um, dive into the episode... I listened to uh I, I did listen to our last episode with Travis Shuttle. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I also very recently listened to the episode before that, and I gotta tell you something, my friends. I think I think I need to offer at this point in time an apology.
2: Oh my gosh. I did not see this coming.
0: We're so sorry. Uncle All All right, friends. So here's the thing. Uh, a couple episodes ago, I said a phrase I'm not too proud of, and that phrase was, "I said F Paul McCartney." <laughs> and <laughs> there, there's a couple pieces to this. Uh, I said that with, with the idea in mind. I was talking about, "Oh, darlin and I. I Paul and John, I, I think have both said like that really was kind of a John Lennon style song and, and Paul took that and ran with it and, and did that thing. And I said I said F Paul McCartney with that in mind of like he's doing a John Lennon. I do like Paul, and I, I think um sometimes we get a, a bad rap for how we feel about Paul, but also I said the F word, guys, and that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna come out here and there occasionally in a podcast where people are drinking too much, but I I try and use it sparingly if I can, and I heard that, and in my earbuds, it was a little grating when I listened back, and one thing is, my uncle listens, and, you know, (laughs) Uncle Pat, I am so sorry to you, especially, that you heard your your nice, kind nephew say the- (laughs) We're so
2: sorry, Uncle Patrick.
0: (laughs) You know, you heard me- You heard me
2: say the F word,
0: and, you know, just do me a favor, Pat. Don't tell my mommy- all right. She'll, you know, she'll be I there. have, uh, Uncle Pat,
2: I have heard Tommy say all <laughs> of George Carlin's dirty words, I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so more than anything, though, I do, I, I felt bad. Like it came out as a sentence where if someone had taken me out of context, a sentence F Paul McCartney is not a great look for a podcast about the Beatles. I don't think so. I do firmly and hereby apologize for that.
2: I uh you know I I accept the apology and I but I want to put it in context where it's just like it's the sentiment in the moment, you know, like we do this entire show because we absolutely love the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And um stuff comes up, you feel moments, you feel feelings, you know, I was trying to say, like the week is 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 has hit you in some sort of specific way or the song you're listening to and you know, you almost have no control in a way. And so I, I want to be free and on this show having like a real emotional response to all of this and, and and not feel chained down by um some sort of gut response to saying something like that. And I want you to be able to come on the next week and be like, of course I love Paul. I mean, we're about to talk about Paul tonight and yep. um I've got nothing but great things
0: I, I think to say about this tune. But um I mean, an additional piece here is that we have that great song, the, the all apology song that I just want to play as often as possible. So you know, any <laughs> yeah, anytime I can a... apologize, I probably will. But oh, you know what? Are you saying I,
2: it's not sincere? You don't I, feel no, this? I think
0: I do think <laughs> I, I this is a kind of a hallmark of my adult life. And I uh, I think any time I can apologize, I should. Mm. Uh if there's something I feel like I, I've erred, I'd rather apologize than, than not. And Uh, I recommend the same. It's kind of freeing and it it puts people off guard when you apologize. It's a funny thing because all of a sudden they say that you're wonderful when you screw up. So (laughs) go for it. Apologize.
2: (laughs) And so if any listeners want to call in and even if you don't need to, um, you've said nothing against the Beatles, but if you want to call in and just get anything off your chest, um, we have the, the call in line it's in all of our social posts on the website, call in we'll we'll give you a little a little bit of reconciliation we'll throw you an all apologies i'll throw you a little corner you know I mean listen nothing legally speaking we can't uh you know we can't uh absolve you of anything but um let's uh, get it off your <laughs> chest a little bit you know like um you know i love this bit of reconciliation. idea reconciliation you know come on in uh where do the priests do reconciliation Tommy what's that thing called the, the confessional? confessional the confessional <laughs> yeah Did come on into our uh,
0: confessional We'll give you an apology So I, I do think It's time to get into this week's peak. Uh Scotty C What do we have on uh, on the docket for this evening
2: Thank good. you for pushing
0: Piek Yeah Thank good Malkovich there
1: My trying,
2: wife specifically uh, said don't make this uh, a, a thing An actual thing <laughs> <laughs> she, <laughs> she called it out and said that was funny
0: Don't do it again. (laughs) You know what you need to do is you need to show that woman her (laughs) money.
1: Oh, boy. Uh, This week's song is Paperback Writer.
0: Paperback Writer. Paperback Paperback, writer. Writer.
1: And this is clearly a Paul song, although, you know, John probably had a little help or a little support. Um and here in episode 28, Paperback Writer, we did, um, this is a non-album tune. This is a single, A-side, to uh, John Lennon's Rain on the B-side. This is super, right literally in the middle of recording Revolver. They're doing like Tomorrow Never Knows, like two days before this, and like Got to Get You Into My Life, and all these songs are Right, mixed in with with these uh, couple singles, that, I'm guessing they they wanted him to get something released and whatever. Um, Paul comes in with a friggin' hit; nobody can friggin' deny it. Um, and holy shit, this is a two chord song. Like literally, there are two chords in it, and and
0: it's almost a one chord song. Yeah, right?
1: <laughs> and that is awesome. That yep. you can make a song. It's it's not a love song. This is a big. This is a big shift from a, a lot of the stuff that we've heard from the Beatles so far on, on the, uh, on the podcast. Um, really simple, two chords, not about a singing about a girl. Um, got a killer riff that Paul plays, um, on the guitar. And, uh, he also does overdub the bass. I think that George was supposedly played bass live, but they kind of just erased it. And, and Paul, uh, put his killer bass over it. He had them work some new studio, um, magic to really get some solid new bass sounds that you could really hear it up front because he was inspired by a lot of the uh american music from motown and 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 other sources that were um showing the bass up forward a bit more and you know i want to hear more paul on bass always um you know there is also other instruments like ringo and john um and they're playing great Ringo has a cool little break, like kind of like, it's pretty hopping. I love that shit. Um, He brings the energy, but the vocals are amazing. Um, Super Beach Boys inspired sounding um, and sort of like leaning psychedelic, but still pretty uh, baseline and acceptable sort of normal world type shit. Uh, I think Paul said this was maybe was like the son of day Trepper. It's a real riffy tune. um, it's got some guitar um <laughs> Chris, you'd like that um <laughs> and there's actually a lot a little shit about this song that I don't wanna bore us with at the moment. We're gonna get into whatever we get into, so that's what I want to do.
0: Let's listen to it then, huh and I encourage everyone while while. We're listening, hit pause, we're just going to play a few seconds of the song Go to whatever medium you like Whether uh, it's your vinyl, your Spotify Or uh, as we talked about earlier That that Neil Young Pono Um, I bet the Pono version kicks Oh yeah Well it kicks you in the thigh because it's shaped like a Toblerone (laughs) It's very sharp (laughs) Uh, When you put it in your pocket It's huge too So let's listen to Paperback Writer
2: Man, that was uh, that was great to take in again. And usually, sort of at this this upfront, we talk a little bit about the albums that it's 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 been on or, or the the context of the album, and we don't necessarily have that here. And I think um, it's really interesting that this came out as a single during um, in the midst of Revolver, because at the beginning of sort of uh, plotting out the Beatles' career, Brian Epstein and George Martin basically said that they wanted to release four singles every year and two albums every year. And that would sustain the interest in sort of a band like the Beatles. Like, can you imagine like clearly yeah. that's such like a non musician thing to be like, we are just going to work on this schedule to, yeah. to get this done, you know? And in the middle of them recording uh, what I think is a podcast, we we put in such high esteem revolver that they, they kick this tune out as, a single you know and so one of my first upfront questions here is a little bit like does this song belong on revolver like what would yeah. you have thought about the album revolver if this tune
0: was on it
1: awesome yeah <laughs> yeah that well because would... it's got
0: the one chord thing too right yeah. i think that that's very revolver on its own and i think i mean which geez, i think it's, it's coming
2: to... from uh indian music which i didn't yeah yeah um, yeah the, i saw in my uh research a ton was basically that they were influenced by Indian music that like droney what could, what could sort of thing i think that's a chord you know
0: that's rain as well right on the b side of this like the rain is definitely that droney sort of thing um it's hard to say you could make revolver a better record right but i think that this would add a lift to it
2: yeah, yeah. That, i don't know if it was... exists yeah. on it, the record right now there is not a parallel on Revolver right now. I, I don't no. think there's no. But this song exists. I want to talk about all the releases of it before we talk. So it's it's a single during Revolver. And then it comes out on this uh, collection of Beatles oldies sort of compilation, which is uh, a Christmas record released to sort of satisfy the fact that um, between Revolver and Sgt. Pepper's, they don't have a record. And then they put out the Hey Jude record. Um, yeah. That and, thing's like strange. Yeah. 1970, which is such a strange, like mix of tunes. It's such a great, I love it as an album because the artwork, the cover art is it's the gorgeous. last Beatles photo shoot. Yeah. And it's Linda McCartney shooting the Beatles and, George looks so fucking cool, and he's wearing a big hat. And John has a big hat, and um, John th- John's got that beard going. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all uh, only. I think it's only Paul not not rocking the beard because because he's dead. You can't have a beard when you're dead,
1: <laughs> <laughs> obviously.
2: Uh, but that's such a weird collection of tunes. Um, and I didn't know it at the time, right? It doesn't really get translated to CD for us in in our youth, and, and I found it sort of later as a collection, but it's Hey Jude, Revolution, Paperback Writer, I Should Have Known Better, Lady Madonna, Can't Buy Me Love, Don't Let Me Down, Ballad of John and Yoko, Rain, which we were just talking about, and Old Brown Shoe, which is such a funny strange. collection of and tunes And it's out. weird
0: that, like, some of them... Well, that, the revolution on there is the heavier revolution, I think, right? It's not the one from the White Album, but yeah. So it's just like this singles compilation in some way. Like, it and is... I think it was
2: like a contractual thing that they had they had figured out and, and whatever these tunes are that they were uh, uh, collecting. I think these are songs that haven't appeared on um, Capitol Albums in the United States. Okay. That, and that's what's putting them um, together, but... It is a funny thing, like end of life Beatles to be putting out this record. And it's funny to have the look, like you were saying, the bearded Beatles, the cool hats. With should have known better. I should have known better on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this tune. Like, this is not, you know, this is not a bearded Beatle tune for sure, you know. And it's, then inching they, uh, toward, it's
0: inching towards mustaches, but not, not quite a <laughs> beard. Yeah,
2: I don't think they can grow a beard yet. And then Someone uh, might have
0: said, like, Paul, what's on your lip? Get a napkin, you know, like right around this time. But
2: And then clearly Paperback Writer is on the Red Album, which is where yeah. I really know it from, I think. And then it's on 20 Greatest Hits, which is an early
0: um, 80s record. And then it's on Past Masters. Past Masters. That's where I first heard it was Past Masters. I had the Past Masters cassette. But I think I only had one of the two. It was a strange thing. <laughs> um, and so it's a really interesting
2: way to get into this track, which I think is actually, you know, like, not to blow my cover, but I think this is a pretty great tune. And yeah. and it has a... Like, uh, uh, having to dissect it, like, there's probably some faults here that I'm, I'm going to dig into, but,
0: like, at the surface level of Paperback Writer, I love this song. I do, too. And I think, like, before we dig too deep in coming back to this idea of like, oh, should we singles. listen to it? <laughs> the, the, the singles and everything. Um, just listen to this progression for a second. Like, so in 65, their first single of 65 that they release is ticket to ride. Then they get help. Then day tripper, which we talked about that double A side with, we can work it out. And then the first single of 66 is paperback writer. Like yep. that's a killer group of tunes over the course of a year. But there's also no filler is, there. I think you can, there's no filler, but I think you can see a real progression from ticket to ride to paperback writer. You know, and this like this is kind of the mid period Beatles in my mind that that these yes. singles cover. Like I, I think there's you know, okay, if John says Day Tripper is the the father of Paperback Writer in some way, like. Ticket to Ride is the the grandfather because it's got that weird bit of a riff to it. It's a little lighter, but there, there is a, a, a riffy part to, to the song. And I think I lo- I just love this mid period Beatles. And the more I um, listen and, and things like that, like I, I'm definitely like a, a later period guy. I love Abbey Road and all that. But like there's so much here to dive into. And this idea of like these guys. Digging into the studio and finding themselves a little bit and experimenting and all that. I just I love this year, like that these singles cover.
2: And I think that's well, funny fun. because
0: they're like there's almost a bit of just I don't
2: know. I don't want to be diminutive about it, but there's almost like a bubblegum aspect of this song, and it's very lyrically speaking for sure. Where it's like, yes. well this this is such a tossed off song, but like you said. It's got a bunch of studio tricks that later on become so big in the Beatles world that we worship them for. Um, the singing is out of this world. Like, the, 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 what they ultimately are doing with the vocals in this tune, Kill Me. It's got a, a guitar riff. It's got an iconic guitar riff that is... Uh, It's uh, going back almost to, like, the upfront of Neil Young. Like, this could be sort of a Neil young Guitar riff, like to make fun of Neil Young for not having sort of um a bunch of depth. This is a this is a, a riff that maybe Neil Young would play at some point in his career. And it's funny also because like the Beatles aren't necessarily a a leader in some of this stuff, right? Like the vibe, the distortedness, the feedback, the like the who, the kinks, they they've kind of done this a little bit already, but the Beatles somehow take some of that, they combine it with the Beach Boys vibe that you're singing, you're talking about, which is probably a bunch in the singing and they put this tune out and it still continues to kind of blow my mind. It bridges this, this middle Beatles for me in a, in a, in a big, big way.
1: I think that the simplicity of a song with that, you know, riding a chord, it, the only thing that saves it is the energy and the, you know, the melody and you know, Paul is a fucking genius. Like when it comes to vocal, melody, I mean, you can play one chord and he's going to make a song right? That, that you can remember and sing every, every time you hear it, it's stuck with you until some other song finds its way into your, ear hole. But, um, He's just a master. Like whatever he has is 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 incredible. Well, and
0: I think the band is so hot here. Like that's the first thing I thought. Like when I I was listening back over the last few days, like it is one chord, right? They they're just hanging on a chord, but they're all finding a pocket to sit in musically even though it's just one chord like i don't know if it's john or george because there's this little bit of a disagreement over who plays the lead riff right like is it paul or is it george It's paul. i think most people probably lean towards paul it's definitely paul the, i think yeah the, the 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 lead riff on it um
2: but you're hearing like but the does, ri- uh, there's there's a question that maybe john is not even playing guitar in the song
1: there, no not john uh george or paul playing the riff
2: but I'm saying, is John playing guitar in this song?
1: I I, I think uh, he's playing. I a believe rhythm, he is. Yeah. guitar he is. kind okay. of thing. Not and the... I think
0: you hear that like John is so rhythmically sound. We've talked about that a few times, like um, all my loving. Like he his rhythm is the thing that pokes out the song. And there are points where like the the rhythm guitar is doing this like dum 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 dum, and it's like chugging along, and it is so great. Paul's bass on the, like, we're, we're probably going to talk about this a lot, right? Like, th- this is a big part of the song. They're, they're pushing Paul's bass out front more than it's ever been pushed before. He's playing a backer as Tom Petty used to say. <laughs> the first time he's played a Rickenbacker bass. And instead of that, Hoffner. And I love the look of the Hoffner. Don't get me wrong. It's the iconic bass look of the Beatles. But if, if Paul sounds like this playing the, the Rickenbacker bass. Why is he playing anything else ever? Because the bass sound on this record, and I know they're doing some studio trickery. They're miking the amp, right? Like they're they're doing all all, all this stuff. Paul is so frigging good on the bass in this song, like right like that bass fill is my favorite Paul McCartney ever like that I know it's one note but that like high fretboard boom 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 like yeah
1: I love that sort of shit Yeah,
2: I agree I love that little uh, like fluttery part that's where I wrote my notes I don't know what else to call it but um, yeah I, I also love that the Beatles came into the studio and were sort of like guys, you aren't doing us right. They were basically like, we've heard right. Motown records. We've heard this Wilson Pickett tune. And they were like, this is how I want us to sound. I love that they're sort of uh, reclaiming this a little bit. Like they aren't just sort of going to the studio and be recorded because Abbey Road, EMI, like they have sort of like a, a, a rule book of how you record bass and stuff. They have a rule book of how you record music and now the Beatles are taking charge a little bit yeah. more about it. And so I, I, I like that um, from this tune, because I think a, a ton of that comes into play, right? But, but Paul was like, I want a bigger bass sound. And Jeff Emmerich, I think he was probably pretty young at the time, is is he goes and, and, and works on it. and Makes it happen. Gives them back this piece, you know, which is the evolution of music, right? It's everything that we love about the Beatles is on the back of this stuff. What they're sort of trailblazing for everyone is is what's happening on, on on this tune, you know? Well,
0: and to come back to Emmerich, right, it's, he's the one, I think, who comes up with this automatic transient overload control, right, like th- this, whatever filter box effect they're putting the record through to make it the loudest cut Beatles record that's ever been released. Um, and like, he is such a behind-the-scenes master on so much of what goes on with the Beatles. We talked about with the, the stereo mix stuff recently and like, I think he's the guy who makes the automatic double tracking happen. Like, I think we need more praise for Jeff Emmerich here, right?
1: Yeah, those dudes are incredible, and especially him. Um,
0: do you think that, Becker, I know you're a fan of some, um, so like, a, a neutral milk hotel and things like that. Do you Do you think that when they heard automatic transient overload control, that's where... <laughs> Olivia Tremor. Olivia Tremor gauntlet, control gauntlet. Name from. <laughs>
2: yes, absolutely. All right. I mean, first of all, all of those bands have no right to to music without the Beatles. So yeah. I, I'm sure that they worship at the altar. You know what? Uh, I want to talk about the lyrics for a second, but I love the form factor of the letter, like writing sort of this letter narrative format, like Dear Sir, Madam, I really like that as sort of a a vehicle. It plays funny in here. Like I know that um, right. Paul is sort of challenged by his, I think it's his aunt or someone, to basically be like write a song that's not about love. And he goes to this point. And for the Beatles, a little bit, it feels. I don't know. Like, is there? And I really don't know. I'm. I'm not leading anyone. Like, is there something real to? the way that Paul is writing about this stuff, or is it really like pulpy and just sort of um, like, what do we think about these lyrics? Like, what is it, what does it mean? Is it worth dissecting? I think there, or is it really Paul like writing a little bit of nonsense? You know, I think like we were talking yeah, go ahead. earlier. It's like, this could almost be like uh, the most monkeysy Beatles tune, right? Because like you picture like a monkeys episode, where like Peter Tork is, is got a job as a as a paperback writer or something, and the and the, the monkeys are, are are you know chasing someone off screen, and then they're they're the, the editor is chasing them in the other direction or. <laughs> I don't know. Is that, keep, is that they keep working going, well keep for going. podcasts? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then, then and they get yeah. With the monkey right. the banana <laughs> is chasing the editor. You know? Yes. Yeah, and then there's a a woman with like a, a rolling pin who's
0: chasing the monkey. <laughs> but then they go in one door, but come out another. The <laughs> oh hallway. my god! Genius, genius, <laughs> genius.
2: <laughs> you get me. You yeah.
0: get me. <laughs> all right. Oh, that's all you had to say about the monkeys. <laughs>
2: dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm asking: Are we supposed I, to dissect these
0: lyrics? Yeah, I I don't think so. Honestly, like <laughs> I, I I really don't. And I, now I, let's rank this. Dude. No, I think that this is a little bit of candy, you know, in the lyrics. Like it's a it's a nice challenge for Paul, and it works. And I love the word "paperback writer" and. When he read my books in between, but you' to take a look and' I'm here with the thing, and the fun ain't Jim, and well you know like i don't I don't know all these lyrics front to back, I know back right uh and, you don't seem to know any of them <laughs> 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 what about yeah. um, but you know like I, I think it it's a little bit of candy in some way like i I don't think there's meaning here necessarily. I think he took the fun challenge from his aunt and he makes it work within a killer, killer track. That the the I you know I have more to say about the music. Like I, I think that that's where it is on this one.
1: Is I mean, the, there's no shot. I know that I read the same thing about his his aunt or aunt, however you like to say that, or you grew up saying that. Um, is there any chance that he really wanted to be a writer, and this is any sort of thing that came out through that and or or something like that where he's like fantasizing about what could have been if he wasn't an amazing bass player and musician
2: yeah i wanted uh, that's a good Uh, i'm barely remembering my sentiment right now because but i i feel like that's a good jumping off point for me because like there is a moment in here and thinking about this song for the past week that we had to come on and talk about it and there's there's almost this like sort of there's a desperation in here that I almost wanted to wonder if it like should be translated to to commentary where you know they, they had to write a single right like they were in the middle of doing Revolver which which all of them were taking uh, pretty seriously and coming with some with some different songs and then they had to write a single and get that single out there and and and, and the the back half of paperback writer where they're sort of like I can make it longer. I can change it around. You know, if you really like it, you can have the rights. It can make a million for you overnight. Like, it's hard not to think that is that Paul and John poking a little bit of the system that they built around them, right? Like, it must have been interesting for them to be in your early 20s and to be sort of writing these tunes and then to probably, you know be making millionaires around you that you, that uh, you know aren't necessarily even you at the time right like there's people people uh, on your backs that are that are uh, profiting way more than you mm-hmm. is there commentary in this tune uh, i don't know i'm looking for it
1: there could be you know it, it could be subconscious sort of thing that came through without thought at all and i believe that for sure but i kids can't believe we haven't talked about the second verse at all
2: the, Which one's the second
1: verse? I mean, he's talking about a dirty story of a dirty oh, man. Yeah. I yeah. mean, does that not get you going? Is it mean is it mean yeah. Mr. Mustard, do you think?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what, I I am so confused about that. What like is I, that? that's where yeah. I'm like I don't even quite under like it's a dirty story of a dirty man and his clingy wife, she she doesn't understand. And uh, they're working for the newspaper and then it's a good job. It's a steady job, but that guy wants to be a paperback writer. So it's like we're talking about uh is it a song within a a song? Like I don't I don't Yeah, it's a novel. It's it's based on a novel. I'm writing a paperback based on Listen, a novel. Becker,
0: you and I both <laughs> loved the movie Wonder Boys. Which is
2: a movie about a book from yeah, an author writing Dylan about time. writers, you know? Yeah, yeah. but that's a, like, and I'm lost. I'm already lost, you know. Like that's that's, the that's problem, it's, it's
0: you know? the like worst trick of a writer to write about a writer, you know? But then it's
2: it's a writer based on a novel. Like that's what I think is so. Yeah, uh, you know,
0: uh, by a man know, named. Lear. And so is that. Lear like King Lear?
1: i thought that too yeah but i don't know the spelling it is that's to say l-e-a-r yeah. is king
0: lear. yeah yeah um and i don't know what that's like trying to hint at or if it's just a a fun word he's putting in like are they all just fun words and you know you look at something like day tripper just you know within a year before this coming out at the time of rubber soul and it's almost feels like the beatles are like all right we're gonna put the singles out for them and we're gonna do the albums for us yeah. you know and is that all that's happening here
1: is rain yeah. is rain
0: but rain's part. the b side right <laughs> yeah. like
1: but they but they're both shooting for the a side right that's the competition yeah. between them
2: yeah there's definitely a competition
0: going for it
1: i don't think i mean maybe john just Slacked off a little bit and was like, "Paul's probably got a pretty good one. I don't have to worry." <laughs> I'll be <about> honest; it. <laughs> I've
0: never really gotten rain, like in terms of it, it being yeah. a great Beatles song or something. Like, it's, I'm not a. Uh, I it's not to, an not A Huge yeah. <laughs> rain
1: fan. Not um, an A side. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, I you know I think rain is interesting because they said dead in it, you know, which is kind of a a, a bummer vibe early on in the, the, the yeah. Beatles, but um. I think I said it, but I love the format of these lyrics. Like I love the the form of a letter. Yeah. And I love that this starts dear sir or madam and that started me thinking about like other songs that I really like that have this this form factor. And one of the big ones for me is uh Leonard Cohen's uh famous Blue Raincoat. That starts off as a letter and he signs it, uh, sincerely L. Cohen at the end of it. Like, I really like that as a narrative device. Yeah. And that made me think about the other, I, I, I bet there's a ton out there and I, I'd love to hear what I'm missing, but, uh. Well,
0: it reminds me of the sitcom theme song, uh, Dear John. Dear John. <laughs> Definitely. By the yeah. time you read these lines, I'll be yeah. gone. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's, what a rhyme. That's, that's a hit. That's hey
2: yeah. yeah, people, people love that song. Nothing rhymes with Still John today like, <laughs> to this day. Yeah. Uh, it made me think about um, "Stan" by Eminem. That that angry oh, yeah. fan is writing oh, the letter, yeah. and then uh, Eminem gets to it later. Too late. Spoiler alert! He gets to it too late. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't finish the song. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> uh, it's but yeah. it, um, I I like the vehicle for it, you know, and that's. Yeah. But it made me think. As much as I I, I love the song and I love the devices, I love what they're doing, and I I love the singing of this song. I I don't. How many vocal parts are here? They're doing that Frere Jaca part.
0: Like I didn't even know about Is that. that I didn't singing? know about that either. Is that what
1: they're Thinking singing? Because I didn't know what yeah. they were saying there.
0: In the third verse, yeah. they're yeah. doing Frere Jacques Frere Frere in the background.
1: Jacques.
2: Uh, and i'm like oh my god i I had never heard that before and uh, i i think it was directed by paul which is actually another sort of like paul childish nod that we're kind of talking about with all together now um but
0: it it in in some way also reflects on like um john lennon's obsession with lewis carroll in in some regard and like bringing in these these other things that had influenced them through childhood or whatever and it's like kind of a wink and a nod it's kind of funny but it's also in some regard like an influence and i can totally see how frere jacca in some oddball way is an influence on paul mccartney's like dance hall music sort of thing or whatever you know like there's something there that i i think is tied together i don't know what it is but i i feel it <laughs> yeah no, no i i think absolutely there's something there
1: you think that paul mccartney has frere jacca tattooed somewhere secretly on him
2: uh, so there's something almost that uh, this is clearly like a huge move for the Beatles. Uh, something's happened here. This single, like it, it's it's like riding a wave. It's not a huge hit in um the UK. Like it doesn't it doesn't blow them away. I think it's it's much bigger in the states. But
1: number one, yeah.
2: What if um, what if Paul had written this song and it was about love? Like, what if it wasn't abstracted to be sort of this character study or written sort of from this this abstraction of uh, I'm a paperback writer and whatever like what if he had some of the same sincerity and sentiment that we that we love about paul and some of the other tunes like would you have felt different about this
0: I mean, you know i was trying to think as you asked that question okay so where does paul rock and sing about love you know, because a lot of the times, if we're talking about a Paul like really rockin' song, we're t- you know, back in the USSR or something like Paperback Writer, you know, it, they are kind of these fabricated things. But uh, we it, it came up earlier, and I would argue that Oh Darlin is a pretty rockin' tune, yeah. And it, John- Johnson it is about, should have sang it, no, <laughs> but is it a John Lennon song, right? I'm so, kidding, I'm kidding, sorry. Um, you know. Uh, They are very different songs, though. So I don't. Yeah, what if it was about love? I don't know if it would still be about Paul's love, though, right? And at that point, if if you're making something up, doesn't matter if it's about love or if it's about a paperback writer or if it's all fictional. I don't know. I mean,
1: it's a it's a hard thing to imagine, honestly. I'm looking at the lyrics and I'm imagining, you know, switching it to an. All my loving, you know, but like more uh, matured. All my loving, sort of letter song. I know that was our first ever magical mystery word, Um, letter tune. um, More, like I said, more matured and and into another stage. But I can't really get there on, and I want to. I I like the idea of it a lot, though.
2: But is the is this coming around to this sort of interesting angle where it's like, when do we trust? Paul, like when is Paul as a being... lyricist? <sighs> yeah,
1: are you saying as like a musician or human? No, no.
2: As a musician, he's he's. Uh, I mean, he's killing all the songs we've been talking about. Anything that Paul is contributing to the Beatles, like that, is his sweet spot, right? Like he is driving the musicianship in the Beatles and, and exploring all of this as as part of Beatles. I that is is firmly firmly cementing it, but. I think we keep coming around lyrically
0: to, like, when do you believe, Paul? So, I've thought about this a lot as we've listened to this song, because it's hard to think about this song without thinking about authors, right? And it's so easy for us to say... Which I when, can't believe
2: isn't the magical mystery.
0: Right? right? When someone writes Scotty a Scotty has some
2: stuff to do tomorrow, so. <laughs>
0: When someone hey. writes a work of fiction as a novel... We can say that's a beautiful work of fiction, and I can see where the author's heart is through the fiction. But when it's a songwriter, if it's not autobiographical, it's garbage, right? Yeah. Like, And I'm at fault for that. Like yeah, we I, give Paul I, so much grief for that I exact do that sentiment all the, a... all the time, and and you know you know what after tonight I will do that again. I'm sure <laughs> to Paul McCartney, right? I will say he's not being authentic and he's not being truthful because he's writing about someone he made up. But why can I say that uh, Scotty, someone like John Steinbeck, can make up characters? And I love John Steinbeck for making these very real people that I can grab a hold of over a couple hundred pages. But over a couple minutes, Paul McCartney makes a true and real character. But I'm like, well, it's still not authentic because it's not him. Like, I don't, I don't know why that exists,
1: and maybe it shouldn't. Like, that's so well said, and I, I have no clue yeah. either. I, I don't actually have a problem with it, um, <laughs> because I, yeah. I, I don't get to feel I, I don't maybe I like autobiographical lyrics better by in general, like, or, or I can feel more through them. Um, especially when it hits a certain spot in your personal, in a personal way. But otherwise, I mean, I don't really give a shit. Like what the fuck he's saying, honestly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want intellectually what Tommy just said. I really want to agree with, but I'm not an intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not no, Intellectually, jokes no, no. I, 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 I want to believe what you Like, what you said is right I want to separate all of these things And be like, oh, he's he's presenting In this way, and like you said like If you compare him to an author or something like that Like, you don't question an author But at the same point What I like about Hemingway, and what I like about Bukowski and
1: stuff, things, like, I like what I feel about the magic of dirty Is
0: Bukowski the word? Yep. Get out! <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I almost said yeah. it like three times before uh, this too. That's funny. It's a dirty, sturdy story of a dirty man. Oh,
2: <laughs> very nice, very nice. I like
1: it. Cheers. Notes of a dirty old man, and he and he worked for the Daily Mail. Well, not really. That was a uh, newspaper. He, he, he so delivered long. the Daily Mail. Excuse me. Cheers. Does Cheers. Bukowski
2: ever cross paths with the Beatles? Do we have anything on that? Gotta find
0: I that. I have out. no
1: idea. He probably hates him. He only likes classical music.
2: <laughs> That's true. Um, oh man, I can't believe we're doing a magic mystery shot this late into the episode. But um
0: what <laughs> was I saying? We were talking about the author thing.
1: You, and oh yeah. you know,
2: so I celebrate these authors. Um, right? Like, I don't believe Hemingway wholesale i don't believe right. Bukowski wholesale but i'm still, respect in, the safe them zone. still for, in the safe zone <laughs> yeah yeah that's i respect them for putting i guess because i believe i'm always seeing uh charles in his work i believe i'm always seeing hemingway in his work and so yeah you're right why am i sometimes not not applying that same privilege to to paul and i think because paul's um Spectrum is so broad, right? Because we're not that far from Paul. Then being like, when I'm sixty-four, and some other right. more like uh, other stuff, you know. So you're like, ah, what? What can I believe? Um, right. You know, and I, my authors don't. Um, they don't skip around that that broadly, like right. You're like, oh, you're you have sort of machismo, and you have sort of exaggeration, and all of that, and you allow them these different levels of it. But with Paul. You learn later, he likes telling you a story. He likes characters. He likes, you know. So, for for the stuff we're chasing with McCartney, it's just constantly like, what is the real Paul? And I never mean it in a negative way. I just don't know, you know, like I would really love to ask uh, Sam from, from, from Paul or Nothing or whatever, like, what is the most sincere McCartney tune? You know? Yeah, that's a great question. Because I don't. Well, I he don't would know say, Martha, my it. dear.
1: No, but you know, you have to also, in the comparison to these authors, there's nothing more popular than Paul McCartney or a Beatle and nothing more, more least popular (laughs) than a fucking author. I'm sorry, not to, you know, like as, (laughs) as far as like celebrity. So like you're trying to get somebody's real self, but they're the most famous person in the world and you're like oh i want the most authentic you but their world is so different and so screwed and some people handle that differently and can and can release certain things in another way like maybe john can he can just totally be like my mommy's dead like or oh, yes. whatever like but yeah. paul's not that type of dude and he doesn't know how to um you know connect yeah. in that way after being coming so broadly you know famous or or known or whatever well
0: and that's the thing right like exactly like you said scott when you're looking at john they're both starting with these made-up tunes and john is most prolific when he's writing about absolutely nothing girl boy hold hand whatever you know what i mean like all that cutesy bubbly stuff um but then he gets into julia and he gets you know like stuff like that where it's like raw and emotional and you know i but i think paul can be raw and emotional by writing about someone else and it's it's a hard battle right now because my, my head tells me one thing but but my body yeah. my body <laughs> <laughs> it's telling me <laughs> something else that's that
2: song right <laughs> yeah I, and that's you know again i'm not uh, this is the yin and yang of the Beatles. Like, this is the whole the whole point of it all. But I think it's, is this the start of uh, Paul doing the character thing, right? Because you can almost, all most of the earlier love stuff, you're like, okay, of course, John felt love and George felt love and, and Paul felt love, but now they, they need to branch out. They need to think a, a little bit differently. And Paul goes to like this sort of, full-on character like what is what is this paperback writer what does it really mean and that's why I wanted to look and be like is there some commentary is there some feeling of is, is Paul inside of even even this character and, and I don't know and there's nothing definitive about it and he doesn't he doesn't give us an answer later but um, this song is kicking and it exists in like all of the Beatles greatest hit stuff and it's carried on for a long long time and, and uh, I, I believe it's a pretty worthy worthy track
1: It's killer. it's It's totally iconic for their final
2: touring it is the newest track that they play live they're doing their final tour uh revolver is done or it's not done it's a it's released but they're not playing any of the tracks is that what's happening but they play paperback writer um and that has a bunch of overdub stuff i think this is like the earliest track where they really are like we can't do this live and they try, uh I looked at the live from Budokan stuff and George tries to like rile the audience up during the uh like the the more intense like double tracked harmony stuff so that he can just cover it up with um people screaming. Like George like literally like plays to the crowd a little bit on the on the Japan Live from Budokan stuff to just uh You say the George they can't do all the multi tracking.
1: George Harrison? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, George Martin didn't play that much live with them. No, I know. I didn't him. know if he
1: did some production afterwards or whatever. <laughs> I was going to call up that J- Japanese. I mean, it's terrible. Yeah, it's like George is George playing guitar because he's not riffing it, he's not playing it right. <laughs> do you know what's funny? Is
0: so we, um, Becker, I know you have the, the revolution in the, the head book. Ian like, McDonald is. is savage towards this track.
2: Yeah, he's actually really rough in this. I was pretty surprised because I yeah. thought that this was like a nice middle groundy Beatles track, but he right. is. Uh, I thought everyone kind of liked this. He's not calls cool it... about
1: it. Yeah. What do you say?
0: I got it. I got it.
1: I got it. Guys,
2: I got it. Tommy went into his uh, bathroom
0: to. I put it down. No. So he says. Uh, It's the 12th single, blah, blah, blah. Displaying the Beatles' cannabis-induced fascination with getting the maximum out of one chord, Paperback Writer (laughs) offers a jokey lyric reflecting in an era of classless ambition. The generation uh, of the meteors who in the mid-60s rose from provincial and working-class backgrounds to dazzle the heights of British fashion, film, and print. Beyond the social observation, any potential poignancy is sacrificed to excitement. Word games and studio effects. In the end, this is a record less about its time and place than about pop records in early 1966. That is a brutal assassination of this song. I thought that was pretty rough in this too,
2: because uh we don't have we haven't started to rank it yet, but I, I, I have some some
1: strong feelings about this. I do.
0: So do you think we should get there? Should we okay. confront Ian and,
1: and get to ranking? We should. That guy's got some big ass words in his vocabulary. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Talking about medi- you got meteors Did and you shit?
2: um before we jump right in and just so we're like rating the same what did you guys listen to this past week or two on 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 uh, to judge, uh, paperback writer? Because I started listening to the first track that Spotify gives you is from one that Beatles uh, yeah one uh, collections hits collection. And that has, that is a remaster of, uh, Giles Martin has got his fingers on that one Oh, I and, didn't it, know. and it has a lot less, um, stereo separation. And so I listened to that, like sort of the, the earlier part of this week. And then I realized, oh, there's something that's like a little different. here. It sounds really good. Like there's, there's something great to it. But then I went and listened to the, I think on Spotify it's the past master version or it's the red album version. The red album version is definitely, and one. it has the the, the the more dramatic separation um, of the tracks. And then I went back to sort of the the comfy warm blanket of like, oh, this is what I know of Paperback Writer, and um, that's that's kind of what I'm, I'm attacking uh, my conversation from.
0: All right, everybody, so we are going to rank this song, and I I have a lot to say in the ranking. Uh, I I think this is going to be interesting. So to run down the highlights real quick, though, uh, currently at number one, we've got Happiness is a Warm Gun. At number five, we have Long, Long, Long from The White Album. Uh, At number 10, we have Fixing a Hole from Sgt. Peppers. Uh, And then at... I I do want to stop here for a second because I've been going every five, but I, I want to note really quickly that we had a recent shift... Currently at number 14, we have Fool on the Hill because Scotty uh, made a great case to bring that one down on the list in our veto special, uh, Blotto Beatles list with a twist chaser we put out recently. And so right now- Vetoes. Yeah, Blotto Vetoes. Uh, We've got Fool on the Hill at number 14. And number 15, I've Just Seen a Face from the help record. Number 20, we've got Tell Me Why from A Hard Day's Night. 25 we have All Together Now from the Yellow Submarine record um, and then number 27 last on the list right now I'm happy just to dance with you from A Hard Day's Night. Where is some Taste of Honey? Oh that's right before that. Number 26 currently is a Taste, taste of, of Honey Honey A Taste of Honey Tasting much, much sweeter, sweeter Than Wine. A doo 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 doo. Here's my question, guys, as we start here. Do you see what I've highlighted on the list? Yeah, I yeah. am exactly with you. I am right with you. So it far, is so the song Day Tripper. And yep. I love the song Day Tripper. And I want to be honest with you guys. I want to be nothing but honest with you all. I came into this week prior to really diving into Paperback Writer saying, Before I even knew that quote from John Lennon saying, uh, paperback writer is the, the son of day tripper. I was like, well, day tripper kind of, they, they both have this riff thing. I, I, I pair them together a little bit just in my own head and day tripper is definitely a better song. And then I listened to paperback writer. Yep. Paperback writer has more energy, has more oomph. It's got that bass. The only thing Day Tripper personally has over Paperback Writer is better lyrics, I think. Um, But I I think the song and the emotional, you know, uh, oomph again, I'm going to use the word oomph twice. The emotional oomph I get from it is, it gives me more than Day Tripper does. But I'm interested in your opinions.
2: Oh my God. I am. Exactly with this sentiment, I like no bullshit. We haven't talked about this. Like, I feel exactly this way. I wanted to basically be like, I am willing to hear everyone's argument out about putting this before or after Day Tripper, but I would not accept anything else. And my gut is to put it a little bit before Day Tripper. So and, then, and by a little bit, I mean all the way in front of Daytripper. to number one. <laughs>
0: oh, okay um scotty do you do you disagree
1: i can hear that i think that day tripper is a little bit more say um formulated or something like that mm-hmm. yeah um and i agree that it has like maybe a little more interesting lyrically in some ways or something but i know well, yeah. I, if
2: we want to go back and hold them to like account for for lyrics like i don't know that day tripper is is a thousand miles ahead of it. No, Day Tripper feels a all. little bit more, um, maybe dangerous. Maybe a little bit That's more. on what the I edge think of it like is. It's at it's the speaking time, to like some level of the counterculture. It's like she's yeah. a big teaser, and and, and like uh, there's something sexual about uh, Day Tripper, and like there is nothing sexual about Paperback Writer. <laughs> like, there is, but um, I I don't know that I'm gonna. D- 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 digging for that, you know. I, I really no. don't. I.
1: Are we going? Um, do we want? I, I, I think we're all in agreement of that. Wow. Well, do we right? think it's better than? But we do you, think it's better. Yeah. You've
0: got to hide your love away, though. No. Okay. Everyone you say no. Mind. I know. I, I, can, I can see I, that.
2: I'll wrestle anyone right now if you want to make that argument. So, Scotty, I would love to wrestle. You. <laughs> this is our I agree new with number you, nine, nine. We can do for fun. Writer. Hold on, do I get to wrestle, Scotty?
0: Yeah. Yes. Virtually. <laughs> on the right s- now. On the side? <laughs> it's a Paul dude.
1: I gotta put in my mouthpiece.
0: So that that's <laughs> the new number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Wow. And guys, uh that was another episode of of Beatles, don't you think?
2: <laughs> did we do it? <laughs> I think we did it. I think did we that. did it.
0: I think we did it. I think that was episode 28, my friends. Becker. I'm going to ask you, why don't you uh, take us on home on this episode? You you paperback writer yourself.
1: (laughs) We're going home.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, um, geez. Thanks. Uh,
2: thanks again for listening. We are, that has been blotto Beatles. Um, did we hit our magical mystery? We did. did. The magical Uh, mystery uh, tonight was Bukowski. That really snuck up on, on all of us. Scotty C. Well played though. Well played with the, uh, the author angle—you didn't go that obvious. You, you've got you've got some stuff to do in the morning, so you couldn't go crazy with it. But that's, well, uh, the that's a good angle. And to be real honest, like I would—I I think we should probably talk a little bit more about Bukowski um, uh, later on because I think we've all read some of that and it's been important to us. But um, I'm Becker. That was Tommy. Uh, we are your co-hosts. This podcast is produced, edited, composed, and magically assembled by uh, Scotty C. Uh, We've also had a ton of additional music supervision and assistance, hopefully a ton for the backup vocals of the character track. (laughs) You're about to hear from RB that B stands for Beatles. Check him out at Rhino Brooks on all of the socials. He might be our next guest. He might be the guest in a couple more episodes. You're going to hear from him real soon. We are always on the socials at Blotto Beatles. Um, we, we've got a lot of stuff going on on the website. Um, we've got a chip jar up there if anyone's interested in throwing a couple of shackles in there and, and, and buying us a beer or two. We'll happily drink it. Please remember this show is performed by professionals. Yes. Enjoy Blotto Beetles very very responsibly yes. and don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast, choices, uh, podcast app of choice. Yes. But most importantly to everyone peace and love. Peace and love.
0: Thank you for joining us.